You're listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, presented by MetaShare. Each week, Bryce, Luke, and Henry unpack sports, faith, and life with the goal of challenging, encouraging, and inspiring you to follow Jesus and become more like Him. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here's your host, Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with you and the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Luke's here. Henry will be here. We'll talk to him during Tap Drill in just a little bit. Thanks to everybody watching and listening on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Everybody that listens to the podcast later, uh, we appreciate you being with us, and we always appreciate your feedback. Uh, you can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com, and leave your comments anywhere you're watching or listening. Today on the show, we're talking a lot of football, college football. We know the playoff now. I've got some thoughts on the, the championship games from the weekend. Of course, NFL on Sunday was fantastic, except for a tie. We got a tie again, so what do we do with that? And then last night, the Cowboys, unbelievable performance by them. The Colts, back-to-back national uh, televised games, not so good for them. Uh, And then a lot of uh, interesting matchups yesterday with the Bengals and Chiefs. We saw the, the Jets and the Vikings in a tight one, so a lot to discuss. Uh, in the NFL, and also the the coaching carousel continues, and we'll talk about that. Actually went on a carousel this weekend, so uh, we'll have to, to get into that maybe as well. Uh, but we are brought to you by MetaShare. Thanks to MetaShare and their continued support of Unpacking It. MetaShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. MetaShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance you can check out metashare.com slash unpacking it. And members of MetaShare save up to 50% or more per month on their healthcare costs. So check out metashare.com slash unpacking it to figure out if they're the right fit for you and your family. We are also brought to you by Sugar Creek Coffee. And let's say hello to Luke, who's repping Sugar Creek Coffee today. Uh, but we're excited to, to partner with them. Uh, they've got a passion for coffee, a love for people. And you can visit SugarCreekCoffee.com. Use the promo code UNPACK to save some money on your order. They will deliver right to your door. So you can order some coffee for yourself or family members and friends this time of year uh, as maybe a little Christmas gift. So, again, SugarCreekCoffee.com. Use the promo code UNPACK. Luke, good to see you. You're repping the the Sugar Creek Coffee hat. Looks nice. That's right. I got it. The uh, the shipment came in. Woke up to it this morning on my front porch. Nice. Hey, I'm a good. lover of Sugar Creek coffee. Some people call me a coffee snob, but I'm a sucker for fresh roasted beans. And they make it. great coffee. The wife loves it too. It makes me a good husband. So when I'm <laughs> brewing coffee for for us, she's loving it as well. So I'm feeling good. So thank Sugar Creek for making me a better husband. That's also hey. a work. <laughs> I like that. That's what coffee could do. So uh, Sugar Creek Coffee, handcrafted, small batch, artesian roasted. Uh, so it's delicious. So check it out, sugarcreekcoffee.com. 
Bet.com. All right, so, so many different places to uh, go today here on the show, but we'll begin with what we're convinced of, and, and then we'll get into some of the, the, the matchups from the weekend. But I, I'm going to start with, with this in, in college football, Luke, because I, I'm convinced the 12-team playoff that is coming in 2024 is fantastic. I can't wait. It is much needed, and it was confirmed over the weekend that we absolutely need 12 teams in the mix mm -hmm. because I can't take it any longer where championship games don't feel relevant. They don't feel uh, meaningful enough. They don't feel uh, intense enough, competitive enough. Now, you know, the, the TCU and Kansas State game was was good. That was good. And USC, you know, hanging in there, you know, despite uh, their injured quarterback and, and, and Utah, you know, playing tough. But, but you know, to see Michigan blow out Purdue, come on. Clemson blowing out UNC. Uh, Georgia blowing out LSU. And then the fact that TCU loses and still makes it in. I understand it's a one loss. But the idea that the championships game championship games don't carry – more weight and that a team like Ohio state can make it into the playoff by not playing in a championship game is yeah. crazy to me. So that's the side that I'm on with this whole discussion. And, and so I'm all in on the 12 teams. I think it will add more value to the championship. And absolutely. We know that this is the case too. You got to remove the divisions. You got to have absolutely. the two best teams in a conference competing for that conference championship. And you know, now moving forward, the playoff seeding will matter a lot with these championship games. And if you happen to lose it and you're still one of the top teams, you just kind of have to scoot down the top 12, which I'm good with. But with the way things are, are now, the idea that a championship, uh, that, that you could be a championship loser or, or somebody that didn't even compete in the, 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 the conference championship and you're one of the four best teams in the country competing for a national championship, I can't reconcile that. So I'm so thankful that we're moving on from that. So that's yeah. what I'm convinced of today, Luke. Whew, a lot of thoughts. So first, going into the weekend, so USC Utah played Friday night. I woke up Saturday morning already knowing that the conference championship games did not matter at all from a fan perspective because the college football playoff rules. Now, as a player, the TCU players, yes, they absolutely want to win a, the Big 12 championship game. It's a championship game. They want to win the conference. But from a fan's perspective, if you are a neutral fan, the games didn't matter. Because since USC lost to Utah, unless the, the playoff committee breaks precedent and puts a two-loss team in, which has never been done before, no matter what TCU does, they lose, they're a one-loss team, they're in. Ohio State's automatically in because they're a one-loss team. Michigan's automatically in because if they lose, team. it would be their first, their first loss. And if Georgia lost, it'd be their first loss. So the playoff was decided. So as a fan, it's like, man, watching games that don't matter for what's more important, it just kind of stinks. You hope there's more riding on the games. And Bryce, I am so with you on these divisions. It, it makes no sense. I mean, come on. How on earth is Ohio State and Michigan not playing in the Big Ten championship game? That's I understand crazy. divisions, but it's, it's outdated. How is yeah. a three-loss LSU team in the SEC championship game? The best teams should play in the conference championship game. And the move to 12 teams for the playoffs is a no-brainer. 
because four teams, it it just causes too many problems. Like non-division champion, non-conference champions are going to the playoff because two lost teams can't go. And it just makes no sense. If you're a conference, your two best teams should play in the championship game. It, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's disappointing from a fan's perspective. We want to see the two best teams play. We want to see the best teams play, and we want the games to actually matter. They, they absolutely should, and I was thinking about this today. I, to me, college football, <laughs> because I'm biased because App had a great September, but it felt like September was the best month for college football. And, and so it shouldn't dwindle toward the end of the season. Now, I think, like we talked about last week with rivalry weekend, I think that was a strong weekend right after Thanksgiving. But championship weekend should just carry way more weight. And, and I really think that it that can and will, if they set it up properly with the, the 12 teams and, and how that all kind of builds up and leads into, like, it, it needs to be factored in. It's a part of the playoffs. You got to keep, you got to win. This time of year, you got to win. That's, yeah. what it, that's what it's about. If you lose, you go home. See ya. Yeah. So um, that, that's, that's how I, I feel about it. Um, so uh, I can't wait. So I'm glad that, that all that news came you know, together kind of toward the end of last week where we can officially move forward with 12 teams in the mix. It, it opens up the door for way more schools to participate in meaningful postseason games. Enough of the bowls. We've, we, that, that ship has sailed. Those don't, oh, uh, we yeah. all know those don't mean anything anymore. And so now to be and some of the bigger ones now as a part of the playoff, that's fine. I don't care. You can brand it however you want. Uh, but this is this is great news. And I think college football is only going to get better because of this. Uh, I really do. More interest. Absolutely. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be great moving forward. I, I will say one thing related to divisions, and it's about the NFL and it's loosely related. I'm not saying NFL should do away with divisions. However, if we're on the since we're on the conversation of tweaking things. If you win the division in the if you win your division in the NFL, make the playoffs. That's fine. Keep the divisions. But should you have a higher seed than a wildcard team who has a significantly better record than you? No. No way. The fact that like if the Cowboys had to go play the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs and the Cowboys had the better record, the Cowboys should have home field. They shouldn't have to go to Tampa Bay. You can make the playoffs if you win your division. The Panthers, you mean. The Panthers, the Panthers are going to be hosting, the hosting a playoff game. That's right. <laughs> or the Falcons. Of- the, the Falcons are deciding, do we want to go with Ritter or do we want to ride it out with Mariota? Playoffs are on the line. But the seeding has to change. That's also something I'm convinced of today. The best, the teams with the best record should have the best seeds. I'm fine if you win your division, you make the playoffs. That's great. But the seeding should go in order of best record. That's I'm I'm pretty convinced of that today. I'm with you. And, and even in like the NBA, like divisions that used to matter a little bit more and they've Laughable. slowly, Laughable. slowly removed those. And they, you could even argue maybe the conferences need to be readjusted as well uh, in, in the, in the NBA specifically. So all of that to me, we've got to continue to reevaluate that and let's just continue to create the most competitive postseasons for all the sports and, yeah. and, and worry less about some of that. I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways, but I just like to see the best teams that are playing the best at the end of the year. That's what we want. Yeah. And so college football kind of it's it's at you know front and center. And then when we see a, a a season like this in the NFL, which seems to happen relatively regularly, where one division is really bad, it's been your NFC East a number of times. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. but the NFC South has has been in that mix too, where you're sending an eight and eight team or whatever, uh, or a seven and nine team, and and however the 
Now we yeah. have, we've added an extra week, but well, I think it, um, it's funny. It's, I mean, we're both diehard NBA fans. I don't know if you could name them, but I'm not, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to name the teams in the Mavericks division in the NBA confidently. Yeah, I'm not sure I could do it. And I don't know no, if this is true, but if the Mavericks have a banner hanging in the American Airlines Center for division divisional champs, no, we've no got way. to tear it down. Yeah, the <laughs> most meaningless banner of all time. That's unacceptable. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so get rid of divisions. Conferences are, are one thing. Even in college football, conferences have, have sort of been flipped upside down, and that all hasn't settled out yet. Just you know, I think there's still some changes to to be had there too. Uh, so we'll see about that. All right, let's continue with what we're convinced of. Uh, those of you jumping on live, let us know what you're convinced of on this Monday as well. You can leave your comments anywhere you're watching or listening today. But the other thing that we're convinced of today, and and, and Luke actually brought this up, uh, but the, the idea that the running back committee in the NFL is officially the answer, and we as fans can now fully embrace the running back committee. There was some frustration, I think, for a little while there as we were adjusting from the bell cow running back of yesteryear mm -hmm. to this new NFL multiple running back committee where from a fantasy perspective, we didn't like it for a while. <laughs> like, man, there's just, you know, we don't know who to draft. It's too difficult. But we are now seeing multiple running backs thrive on many teams across the league, and we're seeing it more and more. And last night, your team, the Cowboys, they were on full display with their wonderful running back committee yep. of Tony Pollard, my guy, and, and Zeke Elliott still hanging on, still hanging <laughs> on to that quote-unquote starting role. But, but you and I both heard it last night during the broadcast where those two running backs, they, just, they only care about what they're doing as a committee. Doesn't matter who scores more touchdowns, who's rushing for more yards. We as a team want to run the ball well. And we're going to feed off each other. We're going to encourage each other. Uh, it was funny. The, the only thing they're competitive about is their video games. <laughs> but as far as running, running the ball, they're they're all in. Um, and so where have you come out of this just as a as a fan, uh, watching sort of this, you know, kind of evolution a little bit with the running back committee? Because I used to be sort of against it. And I like teams that had that one guy that they could really rely on, but I see the value of it, and it's working for a lot of teams now. It's so valuable. I mean, uh, Zeke, whatever you say about Ezekiel Elliott, he is arguably one of the more team-first, humble, depending on how you define humble, but team-first, richly paid star. <laughs> he is one of the biggest deals as a running back, and yet they were saying at, on the broadcast – they set goals as a backfield. How many yards can we have together? That's amazing. We want to win. But where I come out as, as, a, as a fan is we're really starting to see if you're a fan of a team and your star running back or your starting running back goes down, there's really not much to worry about if your team has really invested in a great backup. Because the teams that invest in a, a good to great backup, a useful backup, we're seeing their offenses continue to go without missing a beat. We've seen in past when Dalvin Cook goes down, Madison is a carbon copy. First of all, they have the exact same hair, so they look the same. I, they I both, they the both wear single-digit numbers. Yeah. But the Vikings offense continues to churn. Samaji Pirine, the Bengals have been tremendous with him. That's not to say that he's better That's than Mixon, weak. but when you have a backup that 
is a good backup and you invest in that position and you invest as a team in the running back by committee, we've already seen that you don't want to pay a star running back as much because you can draft a very useful one for cheap. But that's turned into committees because you can draft a cheap running back, add him to the system. It's amazing. Jamal Williams in Detroit, he's not just a touchdown stealer. They're feeding him. He's a good running back, and the Lions are able to go with him when Swift is down. Now with Swift back, it's a committee. One-two punch. It's a one. The one-two punch Lions is there. It up. It's they're great. I think we're really starting to see this season. The the star running back going down has forced teams to consider an insurance policy. Hey, we've got to have someone, and maybe when our starter comes back, we should continue the committee. It makes it harder on defenses. Pollard and Zeke are different. And they really play off each other's strengths well. Or even if your backup and starter are the same, to be able to have fresh legs. Yes. Because the running back position is by far the most injured position in football. Your starter is going to get banged up. So it's yeah. just it's amazing. As a sports fan, you shouldn't worry when your starter goes down. No. And, and yeah, teams need to prepare well for the long season. Because that no you know, the extra game, and then if you want to go deep into the playoffs. And so, yeah, the Bengals would be wise – you, know, you bring Mixon back, you utilize Pirine in a in a, a you know committee. They're able to to prepare for another long run because it was one thing to go deep into the to the Super Bowl last year, but for the Bengals to repeat and do that again, mm-hmm. they're going to need a healthy one two punch with those two guys, uh, and and it could be very valuable. Yeah. Well, think um, about this. I was listening to the radio this morning. They were saying that if Dallas makes it to the Super Bowl, so including all those games, they're only halfway through the season. Of total games played. Wow. And we're in December. Wow. Very long season. So to your point, the long haul, the long game, you've got to have good backup running backs or even just deploy the running back by committee system. That's right. Yeah, to your point, too, you don't have to invest a ton of money because actually, you know who's kind of struggling? New Orleans. They're all in on Kamara. I know. We'll see them tonight on Monday Night Football. And then, you know, Mark Ingram, he's he's an older player at this point. They don't have... Kamara's had some good games this year, but they're they're all in on him, and he's not at that high elite level consistently like mm-hmm. he's been in the past. Um, and they've had a tough season. Now, part even of your Panthers, I mean, Chuba Hubbard, Donta Foreman, they can be they've part done. of a committee. Now, of obviously, they're no Christian McCaffrey, but can they be part of a committee where they can make really good efforts? Absolutely, fantasy wise, they've been tremendous. But and, yeah, good running backs. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, the Panthers are in good good shape because of that. Uh, speaking of the Panthers, they did release Baker Mayfield today, which is interesting. I'll be curious to see where, where he ends up. And then, of course, the you know, the big news yesterday was San Francisco. They get uh, the nice win, but they lose Jimmy G. So they beat the Dolphins. Of course, Mike McDaniel, former coach uh, with, with San Francisco. And so every Dolphin running back, too. Former Niner. All there. All there. <laughs> former 49ers. Uh, but that was a convincing win, an impressive win. The defense in San Francisco shows us, hey, we're we're a Super Bowl caliber defense. Yeah. And and Brock Purdy, not bad. It it was, I'm sure the the Purdy jokes are are there, but but it was it was it was pretty good. Um, so now will Baker Mayfield end up at San Francisco as a veteran backup? That's intriguing. I, I don't know. Um, but that's a bummer because I I did have the 49ers representing the NFC. Uh, in the Super Bowl as of the last couple of weeks. So I've jumped on that bandwagon. I think with that defense, I'm still pretty confident, but I've got to see more from Purdy before I 
go all in on that. Yeah. Uh, of course, the Eagles, Vikings are, are coming off nice wins as well. I think the big, the big potential takeaway is has Shanahan finally figured out how to create an offense where the quarterback is just a part? Because if they're able to put in another quarterback, now they haven't necessarily done it with Jimmy G. It looked encouraging with Trey Lance, and they were excited about him. But if they can really put in a Purdy, bring in a Baker, sign another guy who's not a starter, and he's able to just be a part of the system, just be the bus driver, hey, just get the ball out to our weapons. The system's built. Just don't turn the ball over. Don't be reckless. It it would be impressive. But I was also hoping for, I was reading today, wouldn't it have been so cool to see Jimmy G get a Super Bowl after the Niners tried to move on from him and they bring him back to be their starter and he gets that revenge Super Bowl? With the team he's trying to get revenge on. The Jimmy G story continues. Like the saga, the wild saga. It's, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy that to think how it all panned out for him to be back out there this year and then now to get hurt. All he does is win, but he still has the, he can't kick that injury concern that that I think the 49ers have had about him. And then even the report before the game was, oh, they're talking about him coming back next year. Well, where does that leave them now? And and where does Brock Purdy fit into this? Can oh. he can he put put some games together? So, uh, you know, going back to Jimmy G in New England to, to end up in San Francisco, wild career for him, uh, for for sure. So, um, the other uh, big game, and then we'll we'll get into unpack this. Uh, you know, last night that was that was quite the performance for your Cowboys. So we talked about the running backs, but the defense for Dallas absolutely shut down. You know. My, my Colts, and I talk fantasy <laughs> on tomorrow's fantasy podcast, but uh, Mike Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, couldn't, really couldn't get things going. And it's turnover after turnover. Matt Ryan, it, please, let us at least oh. see Nick Foles. Anybody else. I, I can't watch it anymore. On the it's broadcast, they said, and tonight, Nick Foles is now the backup. And I'm thinking, surely please. he gets a chance. How please. could he not touch the field this year? I, I just don't get it. Give me something. Something different. I can't watch... Matt Ryan continue just to struggle as much as he's struggling. I mean, the, the, it's one thing to get sacked. Like, quarterbacks get sacked. But Matt Ryan, it's like 15 yards back. It's like always really ugly. And he it's fumbles like every time. Fumble. He fumbles well, the ball every time. sack. Yeah, it's just unacceptable. So oh. you got to figure something else out. So, um, you know, this was a fun story with Jeff Saturday. He isn't over his head to a certain extent, but it's also the, the poor quarterback play, which continues to be the story there, too. Gosh. And the offensive line, I mean, this can't move the ball. And Scorigami, the first, it was the 1,074th unique score in NFL history. 54 to 19, Cowboys over Colts. 54 to 19. What a weird score. I know. How cool is that? That's fun. But it was just, they they kept scoring. They kept scoring. I was watching it this morning on, uh, I I watched the key plays on YouTube TV, which is a great Uh feature if you're catching up on games. I was watching it for a little while, then I was kind of pulling away. But there was like more key plays. And I'm thinking, how could there be more key plays in this game? But Dallas just kept scoring and kept kept forcing turnovers. Yeah. It was it was remarkable. Uh then the other big game yesterday, Cincinnati, Kansas City, a very convincing win for, for Cincinnati. Not the score was close, but just a hey, Cincinnati's here. They've got a good defense, a good offensive line, two things that maybe we questioned last year. We know Burrow's awesome. We know they can run the ball. We know that they've got three incredible weapons at receiver, even though Boyd dropped a kind of a key catch later in the game. Yeah. Uh, that was surprising. But 
Um, they're they're lo- locked and loaded. I I expected them to have a little bit more of a down year, and I probably they're probably exceeding my expectations with with how good they are this year. But they did get off to a slow start. But now. With the Ravens and Lamar Jackson banged up. It's a good point. The door is wide open for yes. Cincinnati to win the division, get more you know, home field advantage and, and all that sort Man. of thing. So impressive Oof. win for them yesterday. The AFC playoffs <laughs> are going to be amazing. We're going to get such a good divisional round game. Somehow it's it, it might be Chiefs-Bills again, Chiefs-Bengals, Rams-Bengals. Goodness, we're in for a treat. And we're, yeah. we're, we're close. We're not that far out. That's right. It's going to be going to be great. Uh, and then as far as the Chiefs go, not not overly concerning for them. I mean, I think I, I think the Bengals defense gets some credit for for how they played. Uh, Mahomes just kind of slowed him down a little bit. You know, they still ran the ball decent with Pacheco. Um, but Kelsey didn't have the monster game like he's been having. So that was. Somewhat surprising because it seems like every week it's just a yeah. monster game, but uh, but yeah, so impressive for for the Bengals to be able to have really good a g- good game plan and Joe Burrow three and zero against Mahomes. Yeah, they, they've sort of got number now, uh, which is which I don't is know wild. if if you feel this. I was feeling this watching the game. I just don't panic about the Chiefs. Like even yeah. even at the end of the game, I was envisioning if Mahomes throws a pick here and loses the game. I'm almost conditioned to think it's not it can't be his fault. Like other quarterbacks you throw a pick and it's like, "Oh, again, come on with this guy." But if the Chiefs lose or if Mahomes throws a game-ending interception, at least I'm conditioned to think, "All right, wipe my hands clean. All right, on to the next one." Like there's just no panic mode because they every year they get it done. They're so good. So I I don't know if you feel that, but I just to be a Chiefs fan must be amazing. I, there's not even a panic button in sight. And I, I just wonder it, what that feels like. Well, they don't have a lot to prove in the regular season either. It's all about yeah. the playoffs for them. Because even the Bengals have a little bit to prove because they got to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. And they still have a, you know, a younger quarterback than Mahomes. But the, the Chiefs, as long as they get in the playoffs, they're like the Warriors. It's like, just get in yeah. and they'll they'll be as good as anybody in the playoffs. If things, True. you know, got to get things clicking and rolling. But they'll be fine. They're, they're going to be in good shape. They still got to get Kadarius Tony healthy. He's still banged up. I know. So they can't get him out there. He's a nice weapon that they haven't fully utilized just yet. So, I know. Uh, but they'll be, the Chiefs will, Chiefs will be fine for sure. They don't have to worry about, well, I guess maybe the Raiders are playing a little better, but the Chargers lose again. <sighs> the Broncos, they, I mean, the Broncos need to just say, hey, we're, we're done. We're, we're not going to play anymore. We'll see you next year, guys. <laughs> we, we have no interest in playing. It's not good. Nobody wants to watch this. Oh, it's ugly. Please put us out of our misery. Oh, no ugly. more Denver. No cameras. There should be no cameras for Denver games. You oh. should have to watch that. Well, and there's there's no benefit because they don't do they have any picks? They don't have any picks. No. No, it's just it's just it's bleak. They're gonna have to run it back with the Denver. same the same team. No picks. It's oh. just oh they're gonna have Bad. to tr- I, I yeah, I, I don't we'll t- even know where to begin with that. We'll them. talk about this later in the show but the best thing in in the, in the state of Colorado is a college team and the hope yeah. for for a new college team so that's a tease for later but i mean it's grim can't even describe it's i texted you watching the Broncos game i know Lamar Jackson got hurt but i'm convinced i think more than anything 
that I've never seen a team that no matter who they play, the opponent will play down to their level. <laughs> Every Broncos game feels like Everyone. it's going to be 10 to 9. It's just yeah. bad football. So when who they're so bad when they play a team, that team plays bad. It's just That's contagious. Right. Yeah. Oh. It's 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 nuts. It's uh, it's always it's just like sad. I mean, for them to have all these high hopes I know. To, to be this bad. <sighs> Man, it's tough. All right. So we'll uh we'll talk a little more football later, but but let's let's jump into this week's unpack this topic where we take sports stories related to the Bible, related to our own lives. This goes out as a devotional Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, through email, also on our website, and you can subscribe for free, unpacking it dot com slash subscribe and the word that comes to mind this time of year kind of starting with thanksgiving carrying on through christmas is the word full i don't know about you but everything is full these pants are tight today because i'm full i just had a big big lunch today i ate a ton over the weekend so food full i had cookies last night not, not only did i have cookies last night jody put peanut butter on top of the caramel chocolate cookies. Oh. So it's like an added peanut butter. So yeah, I put a little peanut butter. Okay, great. So now I'm even more full. Um, but also as as we even try to you know figure out what topics to discuss on the show, it's it's a full sports landscape right now. To to go for, you know college football full, NFL full, <laughs> NBA college basketball. This could be the World Cup. This could be a six can. hour show. It could be a six hour show easily. There's so much to discuss. So th there's games to watch the, you know, the, the, to try to fit in all these games to, to watch every weekend and every night of the week, it, it, our, our schedules are full as sports fans. And then I know for me, I love this time of year, all the, the festivities for, for Christmas and the fun. And it's just, everything's full. The schedule is full. We had a full weekend. Uh, th this, this weekend we went down to uh, our local town, had some Christmas activities and, um, that's where I rode the, the carousel with Maddie. Uh, she was actually scared of, she didn't want to sit on the merry-go-round. So I had to hold her. So I'm standing on the merry-go-round. So you that was sit fun. on one. The second time around, there were actually like a chair on the, the merry-go-round that we sat in. Uh, we didn't ride the animal, the stationary you were animal. Too, too much shame to get on the horse, huh? Couldn't do it. Couldn't uh, do it. No, she didn't want to. She was scared of it. Uh, it was interesting. But anyway, that was my. That was my uh, trip on the carousel. So full weekend. <laughs> so, anyways, th this word it it you know translates to a, a lot of aspects of our our lives this time of year. But but here's what I want to unpack today, and, and for us to to consider when we look at our lives in general, or our minds, or our hearts. What are we full of? You know, we may be full of busyness. We may be full of you know activity or or distractions, but but more specifically, as we really evaluate and, and look deeper, you know, are we full of anger, bitterness, or, or are we full of compassion and grace? Are, are our lives full of deep relationships, meaningful fellowship, sacrifice to others, or are we full of self-seeking pleasures? We're full of surface-level acquaintances and, and full of worldly pursuits. You know, what is it? Because ultimately, we have to consider whether or not our lives are full of God. And he's a part of everything we do, and he's the fullness to our, our, our lives. Because are we filling ourselves 
with the things of God, and, and more importantly, of God himself? And are we living spirit-filled lives, or are we too busy filling ourselves with everything else that the world offers? And we're so full of everything else that there's no room. We haven't made any room for God. We're full, we're full of too many other activities and busyness and distractions. And so when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he comes into our hearts and lives and he fills our souls. But all too often we forget that this fullness of love and power and goodness is within us. And, and Colossians 2, 9 through 10 tells us, for in Christ there is all of God in a human body. So you have everything when you have Christ and you are filled with God through your union with Christ. He is the highest ruler with authority over every other power. And then in Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, uh, the Apostle Paul tells the, the people how he prays for them to fully experience God's power and love and, and that we can pray this for ourselves uh, and others uh, when, we, when we read this verse. It says, May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self. This is the Amplified. Indwelling your innermost being and personality so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height, height and depth of his love. fully experiencing that amazing, endless love, and that you may to, to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses, surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up through your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. I mean, that's powerful. I encourage you to go read that yourself, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, and pray that. Pray that for yourself and for others. And so while we head into and, and continue that down this path of the, the holiday season, it's full. The sports calendar is full. But, but let's recognize that God's presence is, is there. It's available. He is with us. And let's fully experience his unending love in all that we do. And so let's experience the fullness of God that's found in Jesus and when Jesus lives within us and, and, and remember that we have access to the fullness of God. And so today, let's embrace that reality so that our lives will be full of meaning, purpose, joy, love, hope, and peace. And, and so let's, uh, let's enjoy that fullness and, uh, and not be distracted by all the fullness of, of everything else. So you can unpack that today. Uh, I know it's challenging to me because I feel like my my calendar is as full as ever, um, and, and I, I don't want to get so you know bombarded and overwhelmed with everything else that I'm missing out on partaking in and fully embracing all that God has to offer me and the the fullness that's available uh, in His in His presence. So, hmm. Luke, anything jump out to you that you'd like to add today? Man, I'm just thinking of the question: what am What are you full of? That's that's a really good question to think about. You know, practically, as we end the year, as, as we start a new year and want to set goals for the next year, um, but that's a, the word full is a great word to connect, to make that connection, because I think for me, I it's easier for me to get full of a lot of things 
in regards to like a lot of good things, but yet I, that makes me sacrifice the actually really important things to that takes time. So for example, a lot of sports this time of year, also a lot of Christmas movies, Madeline and I, we love all, we love our Hallmark movies. Um, now that my semester is over in, in school, there's a lot of books I want to read that aren't required reading for my semester courses. I want, I'm trying to learn Spanish right now. There's a lot of good things that can easily cause me to sacrifice time in God's word. Um, I'm so tired. I sleep in later, get a later start to the day and I waste time. And something I, I struggle with too is when there's so many things to do, I end up just doing nothing because I'm so overwhelmed with things that I need to do. I actually just do nothing. I, I just can, all I can do is sit there and think about all that I want to do, all that I have to do. And that's a really difficult thing for me at this time of year when there's a lot of good things. Now, of course, the question is, are you full of a lot of sin too that you need to repent of, that you need to um, ask God to help you find freedom in? No question. That's important here. But at the same time, are there, a, are there a lot of good things that you're so full of, it's causing you to sacrifice time in the best things, mm. which is time in God's word, time with your church family, time with your family, your wife, your kids. Um, so I'm really trying to think through that as well. I mean, this time of year, I want to spend a lot of time with my wife, but also I want to watch so many of these these games. It's a lot. But I, yeah, you can't have not at the expense, not Not at the expense. expense. Exactly. So that's the thing I'm thinking through is what are the best things in my life that I need to be devoting my time to that are being hurt by a lot of other good things that I also want to spend time doing. Uh, So I'm trying to fail forward in that by God's grace (laughs) to help me be better. We just have to, we have to evaluate and, and be willing to, say no to things and sacrifice certain things and say, wait, all right, let me, I'm going to pick what's best here. Um, and we have to be willing to do that. Um, so that's convicting to me uh, for sure. Uh, the other thing I'll read this again, are, are we full of stress, worry, and fear, or are we full of joy and peace? Hmm. And as we sing all, I love Christmas carols. So I'm singing all these Christmas carols. We're singing about joy and we're singing about peace. Is that what we're experiencing or are we actually full of stress, worry, and fear this time of year, whether it's, you know, as the year is ending and, you know, financial concerns and what's going to happen next year, the, the stress of the holidays, um, you know, all of that, or is it truly, no, I'm resting in Jesus and I'm celebrating him and I'm experiencing the fullness of him, which is then the fullness of joy and peace uh, that, that we can partake in and, and represent and, and truly live out. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's worth considering. And then again, I'll say this again: Are we full of ourselves, or are we full of humility? And that's a mm-hmm. tough one too. Um, so let you know, just personally, we can uh, you know evaluate that as well. So uh, I hope that that's encouraging and challenging. I know it is to me. Um, so if you'd like to read that devotional, you can check that out on unpackingit.com. So that's unpack this. We send it out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, you can subscribe for free on our website, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. Uh, if you do enjoy reading the devotionals, we encourage you to uh, email those out, uh, send those to, to friends and family, and, and hopefully encourage them as well. Um, maybe they'll they'll sign up uh, also so they can they can become subscribers themselves. All right, so we've uh, we've got some other topics to get to today. 
and I uh, I talked about the the carousel that I went on the merry-go-round <laughs> down downtown Belmont. Um, but but also the the coaching carousel continues. And something we brought up a couple weeks ago, you know, what about the possibility of Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State to go to a bigger program? He ends up at Colorado, and and I think this is this is one of those big coaching moves that is uh, there's some ripple effects, there's some takeaways with this. You know, this is fascinating to, to think as big of a personality as Dion is and and was from a player standpoint, and then his post playing career all in on media, uh, you know, great job on the NFL network, huge personality to then all of a sudden go into college football and his sons are involved and, you know, they've played for him, and, and so that adds an, another wrinkle to it as well to then go to a program like Colorado who was relevant, like in the eighties, nineties, more so than they have been recently. Uh, so it's a legit, you know, football program that this is the next step for him with the success that he had at, at an HBCU school and mm -hmm. um, FCS level to, to go undefeated this year. Um, so just very impressive. And then the way that he's sort of gone about this and was very open with his team. And uh, I just find it all fascinating. I'm a Dion fa fan. Like I said, a couple weeks ago, uh, used to wear the headband. I, I used to do the high <laughs> step when I was in the backyard and, <laughs> um, I wish I could have done it on the actual football field, but remember I got cut from my middle school team. So I just had to do that in the backyard. Uh, but, but anyway, so <laughs> I'm all in, I don't know. I know you, you read a little bit about this story. What, what jumped out to you with this, uh, kind of big move in college football for Dion? Yeah. So it's no question. You said ripple effects. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because Lincoln Riley goes to USC immediate success, ton of recruits with them. But, like, Deion Sanders has the potential to – I mean, this Colorado team has been bad. They're very bad this year. They have not won many games in the last 10 years. But he's going to – at minimum, what Deion brings to the table is recruiting and relatability to young men. It's been very cool to see how much he cares about mentorship and really setting these guys up for success. And all his now it helps we get to see this because a lot of media follows him internally and externally. But he really does care about these young men that he coaches and wants to help them develop. And I think these players are seeing, hey, this is a guy we can trust and really wants the best for us. So automatically, Colorado is going to be able to probably do some serious damage in the transfer portal. He's going to bring some players with him at Jackson State. I mean. He was able to get the number one player in the country to commit to him at Jackson State in Travis Hunter. That's impressive. The big question here is, how well can he coach? He's going to get talent. He relates to players. Young men trust him. How well can this man coach? So I'm really excited to see it, and I am rooting for him. This, this is yeah, really fun. exciting. He's good for college football. He's different. It, it's not the... Yeah, the same old, same old types of of head coaches, which I yeah. which I find refreshing in in college football and some of the recycling of guys or yeah. picking from the same school staffs and and all that kind of thing. So that mm -hmm. that that from that standpoint, I think it's cool. Um, but he's he's got to have a great staff. He needs to build a great staff, and I yep. hopefully the, you know, some of those guys that he's had uh, Jackson State can can go with him. But but having 
you know, the veteran on that level that have familiarity with that part of the country too. I mean, he'll be able to recruit nationwide, but mm-hmm. you got to have those assistant coaches that have those tie-ins as well. Yeah. Um, so that'll be key. And then of course the other, this kind of happened uh, earlier last week, but then Trent Dilfer going to UAB. So he's been coaching in high school for a while and we've had him on unpacking it and enjoyed that conversation. Uh, it's been probably a few years now, but um, you know, he of course was on ESPN for a long time analyst and and so he still does some you, you see him on tv here and there uh but him getting that that job is a, is a big deal to then you know also add in jeff saturday so here's three you know i know well-known former players and media it, personalities Deion sanders has by far the most coaching experience which is just kind of who would have said that 10 years ago that out of jeff saturday trent dilfer and Deion sanders who's going to have the most experience <laughs> When they get their a big time head coaching job, Dion's proved point. it three years at Jackson State. He's proved right. it. Um, it. So we'll it see. It is interesting. It is interesting that I guess he wasn't ready for Florida State because Florida State definitely could have given him that job a couple years ago, right? But it maybe that wasn't the right timing, and maybe that wasn't the the best fit for him. I think being able to continue to grow and develop, and then take that next step at Colorado and maybe his dream job ultimately will be Florida state, but they, they did a nice job this year. They had a good, good team. Yeah. We'll see. Not- I mean, in the video of Dion talking to Colorado's team that I watched, he expressed tons of gratitude to Colorado's athletic director. So there seems to be some serious rapport there between them. Um, but the Dilfer experience is going to be interesting. I mean, he's got experience at the high school level turning his that high school into a powerhouse. I think they're playing for a state championship soon, or they already have. The QB11 stuff, I mean, he has experience every year with the best quarterback prospects in high school. So his connections are everywhere, and he's developing these guys. And I, I just appreciate his honesty. When guys get these jobs, let them be honest. Trent Dilfer said, I have no idea how to recruit well, but I'm going to learn and I'm going <laughs> to hire guys that know how to. I appreciate the honesty. Don't don't try to say, oh no, yeah, I'm I'm a great recruiter. Oh, I'm gonna figure it out. I'm the hardest worker out there. Okay, that means nothing. Just be honest. So he's been honest, and I appreciate that. I like it. I love, no, I'm 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 for the honesty, and I think it's refreshing. So uh, not every coach is, is that way. That's that's for sure. Um, all right, let's go quickly back to the NFL. Then we're gonna bring on Henry, and and we'll do some some tap drill. Uh, but but anyway, excited for for Dion and and Trent Dilfer. We'll we'll be rooting for him. Interesting too. UAB didn't have a football program. They took it away, and now it's back. And so that's that adds a, a little <laughs> intrigue as well. I mean, roller coaster right. UAB. <laughs> yeah, big time. A couple other quarterbacks just from yesterday, where the storylines are very interesting. And I'm I'm curious, kind of where our listeners are at with kind of your takeaways. So yesterday, the Packers continue to own the Bears. So Aaron Rodgers plays. Remember, he got a little banged up. I, I thought, hey, time to just shut him down, move on. Now, they beat the Bears. Does that mean that everything's figured out for Green Bay? Oof. Not necessarily. However, Christian Watson is the real deal. Yeah. So their wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, has emerged. He scores a touchdown. It feels like every time he touches the ball, every time he's on the field, it's unbelievable. But, but Rodgers played well, plus they ran the ball. They finally ran the ball. Well, again, with A.J. Dillon, which is which is great. So now the narrative around Aaron Rodgers, where do we go 
with that? Are people bought in that, hey, now the Packers make a little run here? You know, still, there's some spots available in the NFC, uh, especially with yesterday's tie between Washington and, and the Giants. So, to me, one of those teams needed to emerge from that game and separate themselves. Now it's muddled. So, so the Packers, there's, there's a little bit of life, very little life, but a little bit of life. And then how about this Deshaun Watson story and, and Cleveland? And I, I don't know about you, but it, it still feels really weird to know how to respond and what to make of him being back on the field. I know. And the whole, the whole idea, too that he was going to be out for something like 700 days and that he was going to come back and just be this unbelievable player. I mean, how crazy was that thought? Like that, that was going to be the case and he didn't play very well. And that, that should have been expected. So, yeah. but the fact that they won against the sorry, hapless Texans, his former team, his first game back, I mean, you can't write this stuff. The, the oh. things that happen in sports that you just can't make up the way that the timing works for teams. And <laughs> it's just, it's, it's always funny to me. Uh, but that was his team, and then of course they they beat him, and um, you know it was in Houston, so they they of course booed Deshaun. But Browns fans, I don't think there's this this sense of of excitement and optimism around oh. the Browns. I don't I don't gather that yet. Uh, and speaking of honesty, he really hasn't been you know forefront and honest, and so we don't really know where we stand with Deshaun. We don't we don't know what's true, what's not true. I know. We don't know where uh, like where he's really at. With it all, there's just a lot of vagueness. I know that oh, the, yeah. the media in Cleveland has already been sort of turned off by his lack of uh, kind of communication and accountability and answering the, the tough questions. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I, I'm fascinated by that. Uh, it's hard to have ooh, expectations. It's just, it just feels like there's a cloud over Cleveland. It just feels – it was weird watching highlights. Like, I wonder what his teammates think. Uh, Miles Garrett expressed, hey, you know, we didn't expect him to come back and dominate. He, has, he hadn't played in two years. So I think I think the players probably have proper expectations because they see, okay, it takes a lot of work in continuity to be successful at the quarterback position. So I think they probably understand that. But is is Deshaun going to look better than Jacoby Brissett the rest of the year? Uh, maybe not. Honestly, probably not. That, that, I think that would be a, a tough ask. I mean – I think it just goes to show the biggest takeaway is the Texans are just so horrendous. They lost convincingly in Cleveland. Did they even score an offensive touchdown? I don't, I don't think they did. No return, special teams, defensive. Yeah. I mean, come on. I just, was, I don't know. And then Houston's going to draft a quarterback and then that quarterback's going to have his career ruined because he goes to Houston where he has no oh. chance to succeed. So I just, they I have just a lot of so picks. bad. A lot of picks. Like if I, if I'm, if I'm Bryce young, do you just, how do you avoid? I'm thinking, how do I avoid going to Houston? Because I have no chance at a successful NFL career if I go to Houston. I don't know how they do it. I, I know as fans, we don't like when players say, I'm not going to that franchise, right? In general, fans, we don't like when Eli Manning did that. He didn't want to go to San Diego at the time and, and finagled away to go to, to the Giants. And John Elway did that. And there's a lot of pushback for it. But at the same time, it, it, these are these guys' lives, I and, know. and to, to go to Houston with with their kind of track record, and you know they did win some games. Like, we forget that though. Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien actually won some games in Houston, even though it always felt like it, it still didn't 
it wasn't a good feeling for whatever reason. It was always like, ah, it's Houston. What are they doing? <laughs> I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was there. Like, they had some players. But but where the, the situation that they're in now, you're exactly right. I, if I'm one of those top quarterbacks, I'm I'm working my, my, my agent is working out of that. I want to go somewhere I else. No, it's just... You have you're going to get a lot of money, so financially you're going to be okay. But if you want to have success, I just don't know. Because likely you're going to have to force yourself out of there via trade after four or five years. It's just, I think to your point, yeah, we always hate on players saying, I don't want to get drafted there. But the as sports fans, do we have a heart? Do we think a guy like Bryce Young, do we want him to go to Houston? No, poor guy. We don't want that for him. At least let him go to a place that has a, a fighting chance. Carolina. A place like Carolina has a fighting chance. They have hey, we're, we're we're competing for a, a divisional title here. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like it's there's levels to it. They're pulling hard for the Saints tonight, by the way. <laughs> Saints need to knock off the Bucks. Even though that keeps the Buck that keeps the Saints alive, but I just don't want the Bucks to go. So we gotta get the Saints, Saints big win tonight. Um yeah. but no, you're 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 right. And you know, Joe Burrow. Cincinnati had their issues, but Joe Burrow says, hey, no, I want to go to Cincinnati. And that's fine. So he had the personality and the mindset to go there and knew what he was stepping into, and he's helped turn that whole franchise around. So it is possible, but Houston seems to have layers of issues that they've got to They just seem so work bad. Through. I mean, Don commented. He said Mahomes mentioned that he was relieved and viewed it as an advantage going later in the draft. So yes. could he, he could have success going. Absolutely. He could have success in his career. That's absolutely true. And, you know, Detroit is in that boat, but now they're getting the most out of Jared Goff. And, and I know. we talked about the two running backs earlier, but the, the Lions, the Lions oh. are rocking and rolling. If I'm a first-round quarterback, boy, do I want to go play in Detroit. I, Look at the momentum they're building and the weapons not, I get to throw the ball to. They're, they're going to have a little later of a pick. We talked about the Packers still alive. Detroit's still kind of But Detroit alive. has the Rams pick, so they're going to have top five pick. That's, Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Wow. So if yeah. they could be, if they're ready to move on from Jared Goff, they're going to have, they're going to be able to take a quarterback in the first five picks. But Goff, it's nice that they don't Goff's have a good quarterback. Goff's a good quarterback. Goff's fine. He, he's a fine starting quarterback. Is he going to get you over the hump and win a Super Bowl? Probably not. So you still got to get a franchise guy that's kind of, yeah. Every team wants that. You hope for that. Yeah. But sometimes you, you know, you if you can get a, a competent starter for a while, it keeps you. It keeps True. you going to keep them afloat because they're not a quarterback. They're not a quarterback away either. Detroit still has plenty of room to go, but they are in the right direction. Where Houston, I just, oof, I don't know where they are. Yeah, and Jacksonville was a letdown yesterday. I needed them to play a little better against Detroit. I, I was. I watched but that Trevor clip. Lawrence. I watched that clip of his potential injury. He came back. I don't know how his leg didn't crumble. I know. Because he came back I, and finished the game, right? Yeah. He, he didn't play great, but but did he was out there. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a wild uh, – I was watching Red Zone, and Scott Hansen was just beside himself. Um, that play, and then there was another uh, Najee Harris play, stiff arm, and Scott Hansen on the Red Zone channel. <laughs> he went off. He was like, he's like, man, that, that hit – uh, on that defender, man, that defender has a family. That defender, <laughs> that defender you, you, you hurt that man. Like, that's embarrassing. That was quite the stiff part. That was like the play of the day on uh, the top five red zone channel. So mm. uh, that, was pretty, that was pretty good. It was funny by Scott. I was like, wow, he's, he's going all in on this stiff arm. <laughs> quite the stiff arm. 
This poor guy, he's got a family. <laughs> Pretty good. You got to teach. You got to teach Maddie that one. Anytime one of one of her friends goes down in sports or something, stiff arm. Oh, he's got a family. He's got a <laughs> yeah, family. Yeah, family. That's, that's funny. All right, let's uh, let's say hello to Henry, who's been uh, working the chat behind the scenes, and uh, we'll wrap up the show today with a little tap drill. We'll get into a couple other topics. Maybe we'll touch on the NBA, and uh, we'll get Luke's thoughts on the on the World Cup. But uh, but Henry, how you doing? Your team gets a tie over the weekend. What's going on, boys? Now, I actually saw the game, and what was actually compelling to me was that at the very end of the game, where first you asked Graham Gano to hit the longest field goal in New York Giants history and only came up like maybe a couple of yards short. Straight. So I, I give him I give him props for for that effort. But the, I've never heard twenty thousand people go silent in my life it was almost as if they, they, they didn't know how to react we're, we're like that's it this this, uh. this this is all this is all we're getting we're getting a tie yeah and and it looked as if the um the the coaches ron rivera and brian Debo were like okay i guess we're i guess we're done it, yeah, it was just one it was just one really big stadium of confusion we're like okay I guess that's it then. So my takeaway was that was an opportunity for Daniel Jones to go win a game. And and I think it speaks to the issue long-term is Daniel Jones doesn't have the ability to really win games for you. And there's there's a difference in the NFL. And really, it was kind of the same for Heineke too. Heineke's a nice player, and he rallies, and he's fun, and he'll make some plays. But we see it every week on Sundays. The great quarterbacks, they win games. They put together the drive that matters. They march down the field. They make the plays. They get the first down. They score the touchdown, and they win the game. And we saw with Washington and New York, they don't have that guy. And both of them are having nice seasons. They're taking steps in the right direction. they got a lot of pieces, but they haven't solved their quarterback position. So I don't see Heineke as their franchise quarterback moving forward. And I haven't seen enough of Jones to say, yeah, let's give him a long-term deal. We're going all in on Daniel Jones. How do you feel, Henry? Um, you might you might actually be right about that. And just to and to further your point, it's not just the quarterback issue; it's just a talent issue between those two teams. I mean, look, you look at the Redskins. Oh, excuse me, the Commanders. Um, Chase Young is still not even playing yet, and that was yeah, their big good point. That that was their big draft pick. And on the Giants side. Can you name anybody outside of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones? I'm a Giants fan, and I can't name them. Slayton's okay. been good at receiver. Slayton's been he good. Had, he James. has been. And, well, when he's not dropping the ball. But, um, or or the, injured. The Giants, everybody's been injured. Everybody's been injured. They've been playing with practice squad guys and third string guys. And that goes to the coaching of Brian Dayball where Brian Dayball, out of that group, got seven wins, maybe eight or nine. He might even get them to the playoffs, but I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot of changes in that team. And you might be right, starting with Daniel Jones, where the Giants right now are in a no-lose situation because if if they like him, they can give him a short-term deal. If they don't like him, he's not he's a free agent anyway. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how that goes, and as a matter of fact, we were last week we were talking about briefly uh, the flex game. Next week's next week's game, 
between the Giants and the Commanders is flexed to Sunday night. Okay. That, they, 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 they flex the game to Sunday night football. Wait, they play again? So they play. <clears throat> this is fascinating. And oh, that's right. I did read that. I, Washington has I a bye this week. Yeah. So they play the Giants. They have a bye, and then they play the Giants again. And it's exactly. going to be three weeks of Giants uh, prep. Yeah. So as exactly. of now, I say advantage Washington as a very non-data-driven gut feeling. Three weeks <laughs> of Giants film. That's, that's, that's pretty true. The focus there, yeah. That's helpful. Yeah, that's so, interesting. All right. Uh, Go ahead, Henry. So, uh, we, uh, we mentioned it before. The United States is gone from the World Cup. Uh, mm. They lost 3-1 to one to the Netherlands. And I'll let Luke start on this. But my takeaway from that ultimately is that the, the, the United States men's team got the job done that they were supposed to do. They were supposed to get out of the knockout round. They did get out the knockout round. And you saw their inexperienced show. Now the Netherlands teams, as Luke will probably tell you, is not the is not the powerhouse that we're used to seeing, but they knew enough to know that wherever the United States were going to make their mistakes, they were going to capitalize on it, and that's exactly what they did. The United States did what they needed to do, but there are some people who feel like they probably could have played better. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, no, you're spot on. It's it was encouraging because. This is, I believe, the second youngest team in the World Cup, the U.S. Yep. So I, I, I don't want to always be next year guy. Oh, I'll just wait till next year. But the next World Cup, 2026, on in North America, so many games are going to be played in the U.S. It's going to be U.S., Mexico, and Canada. So advantage there. And all these guys are going to be in their prime. That's encouraging. The discouraging thing is, the U.S. has been able to get out of the group stage before, and they always lose in the round of 16. So I was hoping that they'd be able to get a win and really say, hey, America's arriving. They didn't do that. And the goals they let up against the Netherlands, it's just falling asleep at the wheel. It's just young mistakes. The Netherlands were better, way more experienced, like you said. But there is a lot to be encouraged about for 2026. I told Madeline after the U.S. lost, I'm thinking, Hey, let's get a budget line item right now for tickets. Future house <laughs> savings, new car <laughs> savings, World Cup tickets, priorities, gentlemen. Wow. I I didn't watch any of it. So I missed it. I missed I missed the USA World Cup. So I'm sorry to hear they they lost. I kept I kept waiting for them. All right, let me, let me get a big win, then maybe I'll come around and sure enough they they when, when did they lose? Saturday morning at 10? I mean, come yeah. on, what, 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 what am I watching these games? It's like 2 in the afternoon, 10 in the morning. I can't work my schedule around oh, these games. glorious. Oh. You, get to, you get to start off your Saturday morning with a little a little footy, and then you watch college football. It was amazing. Yeah, I had buddies I, I, that were showing up to watch parties. Like a lot of um, like soccer uh, restaurants and bars were opening up early on Saturday morning. People were getting there at 7 in the morning because so many people wanted to go there to watch the game. Now, I was on my couch oh, with cool. a cup of Sugar Creek coffee, another plug for Sugar Creek. So I was right. loving life outside of the loss. Uh, man, no, well, I mean, I, I'm bummed, bummed they lost, but uh, now we move on. Do we still watch the World Cup? Do you still you care about the other countries oh, no at this question. point? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you guys are still in. Okay, we can't oh, move oh, on yeah, completely then. I, I've moved on. I, I've moved on. You never, well, you never, like you never arrived. Game. You never arrived. You never arrived. 
We're waiting for you to well, show up. Well, Bryce, all you really need to know about the U.S. men's national team, and, and again, Luke can contest this, they played four games and they scored two goals. So that pretty much yeah. lets you know all yeah. you need to know. Doesn't sound so, good to me. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go to the NBA. And we got them, and we're actually mentioning, I don't remember we ever mentioned this team on this broadcast. The, the New Orleans Pelicans are playing well. As a matter of fact, in the power rankings on SI.com, SI.com has the Pelicans ranked fourth. As with their wow. fifteen and eight record, so guys, what do we think of the prospects of the New Orleans Pelicans? Henry, we have talked about the Pelicans because I defended Zion Williamson when the whole world was against him, and guess what? He is back. This whole narrative that he doesn't like basketball, he's overweight, he can't play, he's injury prone. This guy could play. He loves basketball. He's a wonderful teammate. He didn't want to leave New Orleans. He wanted to stay in New Orleans and build a winner and be a part of this this you know this run that that they're on where they've they've built with young players they've got role players like Alvarado had a big game the other night I'm all in on the Pelicans my two dukies Brandon Ingram Zion Williamson let's go so I'm I'm in I'm, my Hornets are out my Hornets are out for the year Lamelo is going to hopefully come back here soon but we're we're playing for uh for draft picks next year but uh, I'm in on the Pelicans <laughs> so that's my team this year so let's oh, go. There's- they're so good. They are they're built to win a championship. Now it's just a matter of the experience tax. How much is their lack of experience? Now McCollum has experience, but the young stars, Ingram and Zion don't. But they're deep too. Herbert Jones, so bench players, love their coach too, who is a player's coach and has really gotten their attention. So they Willie Green. They're, they're not a fluke at all. I, I think they're very much a team to be feared. I'd pick them to beat my Mavs for sure, who are struggling. Zion. I mean, I, I there aren't enough people apologizing for the Zion hate that took place over the last couple of years. That's so a good point. I, I, I got to the very end. I was like hanging on by a thread of, of believing it, that Zion could turn it around. But I think for the most part, I hung on. Because so it was concerning. You had to admit it was concerning and questionable. There was, there was definitely concern. There was definitely concern. But hopefully you remember, I was still, hey, don't give up on Zion. Don't give up on Zion. Yeah. So, so who right. do we think? So who do we think on a follow-up question, since we're, since we're on the topic, who do we think is the, the most important player on that team? Is it Zion? Is it Brandon Ingram? Or is it C.J. McCollum? Ooh. Well, they, oh, I, I think, think they beat no, my Mavs without all of them. So I, I guess uh, <laughs> anyone on their roster. But I just to double down the experience thing, I think McCollum plays a massive role on that team. Uh, so I think Ingram's their best player. Zion takes him over the top physicality-wise. But the cerebral part of the game, McCollum is is priceless, I think. Yeah, I like no, that. I think, I think it's Zion. I think it's Zion. Zion is a game changer. He's a unique player. There's nobody like him in the NBA. He is a true game changer, and he can get hot. He can he he shoots a high percentage. He's high energy. He he actually is a good passer, pretty good dribbler. Um, he makes them go. He he gets them to the next level. So that's why I think he's the most important. I think you're right. McCollum's that veteran that you need. And Ingram, Ingram does a lot as well. 
but he doesn't necessarily have that that captivating uh, personality on the court the way that Zion does. Zion's got it off the court too, but but on the court, just that captivating type of player where you make players better. When you're on the court, there's just a belief that hey, we're gonna win. We got Zion, you know, he can do True. different things. There's just something, there's something special. So he's my favorite player to watch in the NBA. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm all in. This won't be the last time we talk about it. I'll say this one more thing. God, I feel like I'm on around the horn right now with my hand trying to get, <laughs> trying to get points, but around the horn. What a sad show. I know. Gosh, I used to watch it like 20 years ago. However well, the best long part ago. was whoever the guy, he had the chalkboard and it was the quote of the day. That was Woody Page. Yeah. Woody Page. On. Is he on anymore? I haven't watched. I, I he's don't he's actually still on there. Is he? Is he still on? Yeah, I no, can't no, do it. I, show I fast forward just to watch PTI. That's got to have the George Lopez time slot. Three in the morning and you you wake up, you left the TV on and, and around the horns on. George Lopez is still on. Oh, why is he's the volume turned up to 100? George Lopez has a new show. Uh, Lopez, he's back. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're milking it dry. I mean, yikes. <laughs> they're, getting, they're ringing it out. Every last ounce of George Lopez we can get. But tangent aside, Zion. I think the most impressive part of him or aspect about his game is he's able to still play the same game he did in high school because we see a lot of dom dominant players. Everyone who makes the NBA is dominant in high school. Everyone who goes, a lot of players who are go D one and dominate were forces in high school. How many six ten to seven footers we see in high school and college become mere 10 minute, 15 minute a game bench guys, depth guys where Zion's played the exact same style. I think that goes to show actually how dominant he is. He hasn't had the change. He's so dominant. He does the same thing he did in high school. It's just bully ball. So I think that's <laughs> so impressive. It is. It is. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited that he's still healthy. That's the key. He's got to stay healthy. So he's still got to take care of that body. There's no question. Those, those concerns and questions were fair. Um, but the idea that he didn't like basketball, come on. There were so many silly, <laughs> silly takes out there. All right. Give us, all, give us one more, Henry, and we'll wrap things up. All right. I don't know if you watched this on Twitter, but there's a video out of the Seahawks game where DK Metcalf starts out on what on our right side. He goes across the formation, and as he's going across the formation, he's telling Jalen Ramsey to come follow him. Now, he <laughs> ends up on the other side, and he goes out for a pass, and he catches a pass, but my takeaway from it is that if you're going to do that, you can't go. You can't do an out route for six yards. If you're gonna do that, you gotta you got you gotta go get a nine route. You gotta go. You gotta go get the ball. Don't don't do that, and then don't call the guy out, and then catch a catch a three yard out. I mean that that makes you look bad. I don't know what you guys thought, but me, I thought that was that I thought that was kind of foul. Well, Jalen Ramsey didn't follow him, so then DK you know lined up against another defender on the other side of the field, but. Uh, I like to me, DK is as good as he gets as a, as a wide receiver, him and AJ Brown. If I'm picking a wide receiver, those are the guys I like just size, physicality beasts. And both of them are playing really well. AJ Brown monster game yesterday for Philly against his former team, which was sweet for him. So good for him. Titans. I still don't understand why you got rid of AJ Brown. Sorry. I had to get that take. I, I just, I, I can't, that was, <laughs> How do you let someone so talented get away? So Seattle figured out a way to keep DK Metcalf. Even Geno Smith, they've made the most out of Geno this year. They got a win against the Rams. That game was in jeopardy. But they did yeah. They did hang on against the sorry Rams team. 
who DK just, caught the game-winning touchdown on Jalen Ramsey. So he finally got his matchup. He got his nice. matchup. So, yeah, yeah. but so I, I have an apology stuck. to make publicly to DK Metcalf. In my college podcast, I I somewhat heavily argued against drafting him high, based on saying that he fell. He fell a little bit. I, I just thought is if he's purely just physicality. What's his route running? Can he actually get open? Or is he just this oh. physical specimen? He's so good. He's unstoppable, really. He's so good. So I had to confess that today. I was so wrong about him. I was <laughs> I was very wrong about him. A lot he's, of us were. He's amazing. And just think, I mean, Geno's been fine. He's had a good year. But if he had even just a little bit better of a quarterback, because Russell Wilson, as we saw, has clearly been on the decline. It was like, well, maybe things are just bad in Seattle. He'll go to Denver and light it up. Well, we were all wrong about that. But if DK had a guy that could really get him the ball, I don't so, know. I'm still not in on Geno. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I still can't. I can't fully, I fully endorse Geno. Since you've mentioned A.J. Brown and DK Metcalf, we've got to bring this up. So A.J. Brown, DK Metcalf, and I think Van Jefferson were all on the same receiving court at Ole Miss together at the same time. <sighs> None of them were the leading receiver. I think it was Evan Ingram who had most receiving yards oh, that wow. year, tight end. Wow. For all four of those guys? How did they not win the whole thing? Who was their quarterback? That's a good question. Not good enough. I mean, for him as a quarterback, to... you have zero excuses. Yeah, I forget who that I'm was. I'm pretty sure Van Jefferson was their third receiver. But I, I'm pretty sure, I also think Evan Ingram was the go-to guy there. Because Evan Ingram, I mean, Henry, you can confirm, Evan Ingram was supposed to be the truth in New York. Very yeah, talented. He was good. Him. He was good for a year, maybe two years. But yeah, then he kind of fizzled. And I thought he would be better in Jacksonville. But he, yeah, like a catch or two yesterday. But not, not good enough. That's for sure. Yeah, there was a reason why the Giants let him walk. The guy, the guy, he looked the part, but had stone hands and couldn't catch mm. a pass. <laughs> well, you need to do that. You need to do that if you want to be a receiving weapon. All right, guys. Hey, enjoyed it. Uh, great show. Thanks, everybody, listening. Thanks, everybody, jumping on the chat. Dalton, appreciate it. Good thoughts from you. Shannon, uh, always appreciate you. So we uh, we love seeing uh, you guys jumping in. Uh, always appreciate the emails. Bryce at unpackingit.com. Uh, we will be back next Monday, and then we've got our Christmas show, uh, but we will take some time off uh, around the holidays, and then uh, next year, looking forward to getting everything going again. And we're always open as we sort of end the year plan for next year. What, what changes would you like to see us make to the show? We're open, uh, you know, topics or segments or, you know, whatever we're, we're interested to, uh, to hear your thoughts as, as listeners. And so any feedback is, uh, is helpful as we uh, make little tweaks heading into the year. So uh, it's been a fun year so far. We'll wrap up, you know, the next couple of weeks and finish strong and uh, always appreciate your support. Thanks to everybody that supports us financially as well. Uh, we greatly appreciate all of our donors and, and sponsors. And so you guys uh, allow us to do this. And, and we, we love uh, joining you on, on Mondays, having some fun talking sports, but more importantly, uh, pointing one another to Jesus. And today our topic was, what are you full of? Are you full of God or are you full of everything else? And are we, you know, this time of year, is our schedule full, our bellies full? Well, what about our minds and hearts? What are we full of? Are we full of the things of God? Are we full of God's presence? Are we enjoying him for, for who he is? And are, are we uh, full of his love and, and embracing the fullness of, of his love and the fullness of, of joy and peace that we can experience in our lives when we're you know, deeply connected to him and pursuing him and 
tapping into uh, his presence within us. Um, so that's the encouragement. Uh, again, you can check out unpackingit.com and read that devotional uh, about what are you full of. Uh, so it's a good question to consider today. For Luke, for Henry, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. Also, shout out to Sugar Creek Coffee, sugarcreekcoffee.com. Use the promo code UNPACK. Save a little money and uh, support Unpacking It. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.